Good morning, church. Good morning, church. And to our friends who are visiting to reverse this morning, I'm Oliver, and I'm one of the pastors in this church. And I'm glad to meet you. For the rest of us, the community of family and friends, I'm happy to be with you all here this morning. I'm always excited when we can look to and listen to God's Word together. You know, we have been working our way through the doctrines of the church. It is important that we know what the Bible says about the church as we go about being and doing church, especially as we talk about being a disciple-making church. Pastor Arnold has, in the last three messages, covered the mission of the church, the power of the church, the worship of the church. Today, I've been assigned to speak on the fellowship of the church. Fellowship is the most common English translation of the Greek word koinonia, and the word signifies biblical community. So we'll be looking at what is biblical community today. I will be not be looking at all the passages in Scripture that speak of fellowship. We simply do not have the time. But we will look at one particular passage in 1 John, dive deep and reflect on what it means for us as a church. And before we get into today's message, let us pray in preparation for the hearing of God's Word. Let us pray. Father God, I thank You that You are a good and gracious God, that You have revealed Yourself to us in Your Son, Jesus, that through the good news of who Jesus is, what He came to do and teach, we who have sinned, and wandered far from you, can know your forgiveness and be brought back into a relationship with you. Not only that, you have also joined us to the community of the church so that together we can know the joy of fellowship with you and with each other. I pray that as we look into your Bible this morning, I pray that your word be our rule and authority, that your Holy Spirit be our teacher and guide that your glory be our chief concern. We pray that your Holy Spirit, working through your word, will remove any sin or hindrances from our hearts so that we can see the truth of your word and the glory of Christ as revealed in the scripture. And then, Lord, enable us to live a life worthy of the gospel. We pray this for our good and for your namesake. In Christ's name, amen. Little do men perceive what solitude is and how far it extends, begins a quote by Francis Bacon, a 16th century English philosopher, statesman, scientist, orator, and author. He continues, For a crowd is not company, and faces are but a gallery of pictures, and talk but a sounding symbol where there is no love. He talks about the human condition of loneliness and how commonplace it is. Fast forward to the 21st century, the Ministry of Youth Development of New Zealand conducted a quality of life survey in 2006. And you know what they found out? A quarter of young people they surveyed said that they had felt lonely in the past 12 years months. 
closer to home. In another Singapore government survey in 2009, a quarter of seniors above the age of 60 surveyed said that they felt alone and depressed. Francis Bacon, with regards to this issue of solitude and loneliness, rightly diagnoses the human condition. He rightly sees the human struggle for loneliness and how it is common, a common condition among all men. From the 16th century to the 21st century, loneliness and the feeling of being disconnected is a common human condition. My friends, have you ever felt lonely? Do you wish for connection with others? Even as Christians, we do feel the anguish of loneliness. My fellow Christian friends, do you ever feel lonely, even in the church? Do you wonder why, as a church, we are not connecting better? Have you ever had friends reject you and leave you? Do you hope for a deeper, connected fellowship with others in the church? Dare you hope for the joy of fellowship with others in the church, with one another? This is the matter John addresses in the prologue to the letter of 1 John. Here we see John reminding the Christians in Ephesus and the surrounding churches that the revealed Christ, through the revealed Christ, they might have fellowship with God and with one another. Let us read John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. So if you have Bibles, please follow with me. We're only looking at four verses today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. 1 John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. We see here God through the Apostle John telling us that Christians can have an intimate relationship with God the Father and close fellowship with one another through the revealed and proclaimed Jesus Christ. Since the need for fellowship and connection is a basic human need, we actually see the Bible picking up on this idea very early on. We see in Genesis 1 and 2, when God created everything, it was good, and God created men and women, we see that people were in perfect relationship with God and with one another. Adam and the woman walked with God in the Garden of Eden. What intimacy, what a relationship with God. They had a deep, intimate relationship with God. Both of them also had a deep fellowship and connection with one another. 
And then we remember what happens next. Genesis 3, the fall. As a result of Adam and the woman distrusting God, of sinning, of rebelling against God, the one's intimate relationship with God was broken. As a result of sin, Adam and the woman knew shame. Sin, shame. And they hid from God and from one another. The one's deep fellowship and connection they had with one another was also broken. They now knew loneliness and disconnectedness. This was their new normal. The fallen human condition of broken relationships and fallen fellowship. This condition continues through the rest of human history as we see in the Bible and in our own recorded history. As human beings try various means and ways to restore the relationship with God and rebuild the fellowship with one another. But, as we can see, it was always a fail. In the words of young people, it was always a fail. That is, until the cross, until the cross, God provided through the work of Christ on the cross a means of overturning this condition. We also see the fallen human condition actually playing out in this immediate context of John's first letter. You see, there were schisms and fractions in the church in Ephesus, in modern-day Turkey and its surrounding. And this was due to theological heresy. Some people have left the fellowship of the church as a result. Also, the churches in Ephesus and its surrounding comprise a large Jewish community, Romans and Middle Easterners. They were a diverse church. So as a result of these twin challenges, there were feelings of disconnectedness and loneliness. There was a lack of fellowship. John had to write to these churches and remind them of the biblical basis of fellowship and community. You know, I remember when this was when I was in the States. You know, here in Singapore, there are almost equal numbers of PC and Mac users. But in the States, there were actually more Mac users than PC users. Not only that, there were sizable numbers of Mac users who were known as Mac evangelists. Okay? They would be telling others about the wonders of Mac and trying to convert PC users like myself to use a Mac. And if you ever heard the conversations, they will go something like this. Have you ever tried a Mac? Once you see what a Mac can do, you will not go back to a PV. Oh, I mean, sorry, a PC. Once you have touched and experienced a Mac, you will witness the power, the simplicity, and the elegance of a Mac. I too used to be a skeptical PC user. But now, after I've seen and experienced a Mac, I am a convert. You see, John was saying something like this as well, something similar as well, though he wasn't a hit Mac user. He says that he and others were eyewitnesses to Christ incarnate. Then once they have experienced Christ in the flesh, they were changed. He says that in Christ, eternal life was revealed. John writes in verses 1 and 2, 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which was from the beginning, concerning the word of life. John is saying that this word was from the beginning. And this brings to our minds the peril in John's gospel, in John 1.1, where he writes, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Here, when John refers to the word of life, he wasn't just referring to a message. He was also referring to a person, Jesus Christ. The message and the person ultimately cannot be separated. Each explains the other. The message about Jesus is intimately related to who Jesus is. Or as the New Living Translation, which better bring out the sense of the meaning here, says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. He is the word of life. John writes that Jesus Christ from the beginning, the pre-incarnate Christ, John and other witnesses has heard, has seen with their eyes, and look upon and touch with their hands. John and other eyewitnesses saw this deity who has life in himself from eternity, incarnated into time, space, and history. Imagine this. Jesus, who existed from limitless eternity, has entered time and space and has taken up residence here on earth. In Jesus, God himself has taken on human flesh. We see John in verse 2 inducing another thought. He now explains the life in the phrase, word of life. John makes it clear that the life was made manifest. Or the life was revealed. And this life was none other than the eternal life, who, which was with the Father. John tells us that the revelation of this word is the revelation of eternal life itself. Jesus reveals life. He is the source of eternal life. In other words, eternal life is not a byproduct of some enlightenment or some knowledge acquired mystically. This is the theological heresy that those who left the Ephesian church believe in. But rather, eternal life is historically and objectively anchored. And this is unique to Christianity. The life of God has been provided for us through a historical event. An event that John says that he and other eyewitnesses have seen and they now testify and proclaim to us. Jesus Christ, eternal life revealed, has been seen and verified by the people who saw him. Jesus Christ was known to the apostles as a human being during his earthly ministry. 
John now wants to assure his readers that they, and only they, who believe in Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, deity and flesh, have eternal life. This life resides in Christ, and Christ makes it available to all who believe in Him. This claim is remarkable. For my friends who have yet trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, John actually makes two claims here that you should pay attention and consider. One, this Jesus Christ is a historical person, seen and verified by eyewitnesses. Jesus is not a myth or a fable or make-believe story. This Jesus, this Jesus who we proclaim was a living, breathing person who appeared in space and time at a point in history some 2,000 years ago. And the New Testament is an account of just Jesus compiled by eyewitness testimony. Two, this Jesus Christ, His person, His work and teaching is the message to be proclaimed for eternal life. This message of Jesus or the gospel is both the source and means of life. This gospel, as explained here by John, is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took on flesh and became human being. And in this person, his work on the cross and his teaching, he reveals and gives to us eternal life if we but trust and believe in him as our Lord and Saviour. And in doing so, our sins can be forgiven and our relationship with God restored. And we can have an intimate relationship with God the Father as His children. The fall is reversed. But what has this got to do with fellowship and biblical community, which is, the, after all, the theme of today's message? John tells us that Christ proclaimed, get this, Christ proclaimed results in fellowship. John writes, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. In 1944, during World War II, Lieutenant Hiro Onada was sent by the Japanese army to the remote Philippine island of Lubang. And his mission was to conduct guerrilla warfare against the Allied forces. The war officially ended on August 15, 1945. Unfortunately, Lieutenant Hiro was never told that the war had ended. So for years, he continued to live in the jungle, ready for when his country will once again need his service and his military information. Eating coconuts and bananas and evading searching parties which he believed were enemy scouts, Lieutenant Hiro hid in the jungle until he finally emerged from the dark recesses of the island almost 30 years later on March 19, 1972. You see, while the war was over, and peace reigned. 
but because the news was never proclaimed to Lieutenant Hero, he had never heard that the war had ended. He remained in the remote jungle, struggling to survive. What had been accomplished had to be proclaimed to him so that he would know the truth that the war was over. Likewise, we see John here proclaiming Jesus Christ and what had been accomplished. John proclaims that Christ in whom there is forgiveness of sins and promise of eternal life, and this is readily available to all who believe in him. But more than this, John says, that which, meaning John and other witnesses, have seen and heard, that is Jesus Christ and the message of his gospel. John proclaims also to his readers. John proclaims Christ so that his readers may have fellowship with him. If anything, I want you to highlight that single verse in the Bible. John proclaims Christ so that his readers may have fellowship with him. John announces the incarnate Christ to his readers in order that they also should have fellowship with him. Christ proclaimed results in fellowship and oneness in community. We see here is the proclamation of the incarnate word of life. The incarnate word of life, Jesus Christ, that John see his purpose being accomplished of bringing his readers to fellowship with him and with other apostolic eyewitnesses. Is embracing of this word and experiencing of this life that are the prerequisites for biblical community. However, the big question is how does this happen? How does this happen? John continues to tell his readers that indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see, when we embrace the word of life, Jesus Christ and the gospel, we obtain eternal life. That is, we are brought into fellowship or relationship with God the Father and Christ Jesus. Fellowship with the Father and Son means we have common participation in the grace of God, the salvation of Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit, which is the spiritual birthright of all believers, is our common possession of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit that makes us one, that makes us church, one church. You see, our fellowship with each other in the church arises from and depends on our fellowship with God. We also see that fellowship is not a program or activity. You know, we always talk about fellowship being coffee fellowship, or coffee and cookies, or coffee and donut fellowships. But fellowship here, is not a program or activity, but relationship. As Jerry Bridges writes, this is the most basic meaning of koinonia, or fellowship. It is the sharing of a common life with other believers. A life, as John says, we share with God the Father and God the Son. It is a relationship, not an activity. We cannot be a church where, whose relationship is based on superficial social camaraderie, revolving around just programs and activities alone, instead of a spiritual fellowship with the Father 
and His Son, Jesus Christ. Biblical community, fellowship with one another in the church, is based on our spiritual fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And what is the purpose of John writing these things to his readers? You know, this is only four verses, but when I read verse 4, my heart leaps for joy. Because John writes this, he writes these things so that our joy may be complete. In this case, what John proclaims and what he writes refer to the same message. And his purpose is that his readers may fully share his joy. His readers may fully share his joy. John writes about Jesus Christ and the gospel so that his readers' joy and his joy may be complete. As John Stott insightfully writes in commenting on this verse, and what is the secret of fullness of joy? The complete and perfect sweetness which we obtain from the gospel. It is the fellowship which the proclamation of Christ creates. It is the fellowship that the proclamation of Christ creates. For if the immediate purpose of proclamation is the establishment of fellowship, the ultimate purpose is the completion of joy. For if the immediate purpose of the proclamation is the establishment of fellowship, the ultimate purpose is the completion of joy. We see this is the divine order as given in Scripture. Message, fellowship, joy. Christ proclaimed results in fellowship. And this fellowship with one another, which is based on the fellowship with the Father and the Son, gives rise in turn to the fullness of joy. God, in His grace, allows for us to overcome loneliness and disconnectedness by, by providing for us what we cannot do on our own. That through Jesus, He reveals the way by which we can experience the joy in fellowship with Him and with one another in the church. I think at this point, some of you may be thinking, four verses, but such a lot of truth, such a lot of truth. John can really pack a lot of biblical reflection and insight into a small space. Now, is there any simple way to make sense of all of this? Let's look at this simple diagram given in your bulletin. And if, as you look on the screen, on my upper left of the diagram, you see what happens when you trusted in Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and brought into fellowship with Christ. You are united with Christ. This involves our vertical relationship with God. When we are united with Christ, there is also a change in our horizontal relationship with one another. We are joined with one another in the church. We are joined with one another in the church. And both of these are objective truth. This is objective truth. This is something given to us when we trusted in Christ Jesus, given to us by the grace of God. This is what happens when we believe the proclamation of the gospel. And if you look at the screen on the lower right of the diagram, lower right of the diagram, through the revealed Christ, we can have relationship with God the Father. We can have intimacy with God. 
And this, in essence, is eternal life and a joint of God's presence. And this involves our vertical relationship with God. And out of our relationship experience with God flows our fellowship with the church as we also experience the practical outworking of growing in fellowship. We love others because God first loved us. We grow in our horizontal relationship with one another in the church. We increasingly share the common life with one another and grow as a biblical community. If this is what God in His grace has provided for us, that Jesus Christ proclaimed and believed brings eternal life and fellowship with God and one another in the church, then what shall our response to the gospel be? Then what shall our response to the gospel be? Firstly, we can trust the proclaimed gospel. We can trust the proclaimed gospel. It is the proclamation of Christ and the response of trust and belief that brings eternal life. And for my friends who have yet to respond in trust and belief in Christ, in Jesus, consider the claims of the gospel today that Jesus is God incarnate and in Him is eternal life and joy. Turn away from your pursuing of other means to overcome loneliness and disconnectedness and turn to the one who will bring restoration to your broken relationships with God and with one another. Turn to Christ Jesus. And this, if this is what you want to do, please feel free to approach any of the elders or any of the pastors and we will be able to talk to you more about it. But this news, this Christ proclaimed, is not just for those who have yet to trust in Christ Jesus. For my friends in the church, this Christ proclaimed, this gospel, we too can trust the proclaimed gospel. Because we see in this text, these four verses, it is Christ proclaimed that builds deep fellowship. Biblical community is built on the proclamation of Christ. While programs and activities can be helpful at times, I agree, it is Christ proclaimed that builds deep and true fellowship and community. If we as a church actually believe this, if we trust the proclaimed gospel, we trust the power of the proclaimed gospel, then the emphasis of our time together in fellowship should be Christ proclaimed. We should focus on the word of Christ, that is the Bible, which reveals to us the beauty, the goodness, the truth of Christ Jesus. And this is what builds genuine fellowship. Secondly, we should remember the objective truth of the nature of our fellowship. We should remember the objective truth of the nature of the fellowship. You see, when we trusted in Jesus, we are united to Him and have a relationship with the Father. When we are united to Christ, we are joined to each other in the church. It means that me right here and the rest of you sitting in the pews, the Kongwa, uh, polling, and the rest of us here, we are joined with each other. We are joined with each other. This is objective truth. 
even though we sometimes do not feel that way. This is objective truth, even though sometimes we don't feel that way. This is what God and His grace has done for us. So for us Christians, it is not a working to achieve community and fellowship. Let me just repeat this. It's not a working to achieve community and fellowship. Rather, we work to realize the status we really have, that we have deep fellowship with God. We work, we work hard at fellowship to realize the status we really have, that is deep fellowship with God and with one another. This grace should motivate and empower us to work even harder at fellowship and community. But what about our experience of fellowship with one another in the church? What about our experience of uh, fellowship with one another in the church? We should embrace the both end of fellowship. We should bo- grow in our vertical relationship with God in order to grow our horizontal fellowship with one another. Because you see, in Christ, we really have a relationship with God, the Father and fellowship with others. But we should also seek to grow in our relationship, in our walk, and our intimacy with God because this affects our relationship with others. You know, when I, I meet people, youths, and when they tell me about their relationship issues, or even young adults, when they tell me about relationship issues, the first thing I do is not to actually solve their horizontal relationship problems. The first thing I do is to get them into back into right relationship with God. Because if we are right with God, it's more likely than not that we will be right with others. If we are right with God, more often than not, we will be right with others. We should emphasize growth in relationship and growing in fellowship. Growth in our relationship also takes place in the context of community. For we cannot relate without one another. We need to be involved in community. And this is where the care group ministry comes in. Sorry, I need to make a pitch for the care group ministry. So if you want to get involved in community, do speak to any of the care group leaders and they can get you plugged into community. We should also care for the practical outworking of growing in fellowship. It is not just social activities, though they are good. I mean, I like to have coffee with others once in a while. But more than that, it's the sharing with one another of the common life in Christ. And this might involve sharing of spiritual truths from the Bible to spur and encourage one another. Or even a sharing of material possessions. If we know some of our friends, especially those that have just started out working, okay, are in some tight, having some tight budget, even sharing a meal together to meet one another's needs, this, this works. Or even working together in the partnership of the gospel proclamation to others who have not yet come to know Christ. For example, working together with others in evangelism and missions. The good news of Christ Jesus has been revealed to us. Christians can have an intimate relationship with God the Father and close fellowship with one another through the revealed and proclaimed Jesus Christ. God, in His grace, has provided for us what we cannot accomplish by ourselves, that through the person, the work, and teaching of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel, we can have true fellowship with God and a biblical community with one another. 
as we delight in and enjoy in the fellowship of the church, as we have joy, as we fellowship with one another. Let us pray. Father God, this gospel of Christ incarnate and eternal life revealed is wonderful news, a glad proclamation. I pray for all of us here that your words and this good news will pierce our hearts and spark in us a new, deep affection for Christ Jesus. Allow our love for you to grow. Continue to give us grace so that we will continue to proclaim Christ Jesus and grow in fellowship with one another in the church. Give us the wisdom to live out true biblical community in Grace Baptist Church so that in all of our lives, we might honour you, bring much good to your people and bring glory to Christ's name. Amen. And for the rest of us, for those among us who like to read and think a little bit more about this topic of community and fellowship in the church, I've actually 16 copies from the navigators of the book True Community, The Biblical Practice of Koinonia by Jerry Bridges in the church office. So if you want to, I've read this book. I find it helpful in helping me understand what biblical fellowship is. And if you want to pick up a copy of this book, please see Pauline after the service if you would like to buy a copy. Thank you. Thanks, Pastor Ali. Let's stand together and sing the song of response. Oh, how good it is. <clears throat>